Maybe the darkness of broken dreams, broken relationships, broken homes. Maybe you've experienced the darkness of disease, loss of a job, financial collapse. Maybe even right now you're in a dark time. Maybe a loved one has died or is dying. Maybe you're suffering from circumstances beyond your control. Maybe you've recently lost a friend, lost your health, lost your way. Or maybe there's just a subtle uneasiness about life that makes it feel dark. Especially with all the news we hear about and read about every day. So here's the good news. Resurrection happens in the dark. Did you notice that incredible detail that John gives us in his account of the first Easter morning? Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. And saw the tomb had already been taken away. It was dark. And the darkness was not just the night sky. For Mary's life was even darker. She had just watched the most important person in her life be tortured and killed. Her loved one taken from her. The man, the man who had healed her from a life of misery and torment. St. Luke uses the imagery of seven demons to describe the misery that he had saved her from. And Jesus not only healed her, he promised her a new kingdom, a new way of life, freedom. She had given up everything to follow him, and now he was gone. Darkness. Mary was lost. You can sense the depths of her pain in the, in the way she lingers in the story. She was the last to leave the cross. She was the first to be at the tomb. And after she finds the tomb empty and she tells the other disciples about it and they see it for themselves and go home, she's still there at the tomb. She's lingering. It's like when we bury our loved ones. The graveside service ends and friends and acquaintances start to go away, but the family lingers and lingers. We don't want to leave. The loss is too great. Mary's lingering in her darkness. You can almost feel that darkness surrounding her as the story was being read. Even the empty tomb is not enough to break through her darkness. Even angels sitting in an empty tomb are not enough to break through her darkness. But it is right then, at the moment of her deepest darkness, the truth of resurrection breaks upon us. But maybe that's the thing about resurrection. Maybe it is so wonderful, so beyond our wildest hopes, so spectacular, that we just can't grasp it, even when an empty tomb is right in front of us. Like Greg Barnes said, no one is ever ready to encounter Easter. In the dark place where hope cannot be seen, Easter is the last thing we're expecting. And maybe that scares us a little. This day is not about bunnies and springtime and new dresses. It's about more hope than we can handle. I like that. More hope than we can handle. I think it was H.G. Wells that said about Jesus, the Galilean has been too great for our small hearts. More hope than we can handle. Resurrection, the divine yes, our singular hope that we've been calling it as we've been studying 1 Corinthians chapter 
15, St. Paul's great essay on resurrection the last few weeks, might be more than we can handle. Let's continue to consider the scene John describes with such fascinating detail. So, there's Mary in all her darkness, and the angels ask her why she is weeping. She answers them, then the narrative simply continues. When she had said this, she turned around. (coughs) What made her turn? I've always thought that maybe she heard something behind her. Or maybe she sensed someone was close, the way we can sense sometimes someone's close without seeing them first. And that may be. But in my studies this week, I came across another suggestion I'd never heard before, and it resonated so deeply with me, I need to share it with you. It comes from one of the early church fathers, John Chrysostom. He writes this about this scene. While she was speaking, Christ suddenly appeared behind her, striking the angels with awe. I love that. It's like something right out of Tokyo. Maybe maybe there was a sudden change in them. Maybe they fell to the ground and worshipped like they would if their king suddenly showed up. And Mary saw this and turned to find out what was going on behind her. I love that. Now it was Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. Which makes perfect sense because it seems that Nobody recognized him at first during any of his post-resurrection appearances. And I think St. Paul speaks to this in this letter to the Corinthians, this essay that we're studying, and we're going to be getting to this part in in another couple weeks. But Paul talks about there's, there's an earthly body and a heavenly body, a perishable and an imperishable. So there's obviously something different about the resurrection body. It retains some of its originality. Jesus still had his scars, etc., but there must be something different. So she doesn't recognize him. But it is in the next detail, John adds, that's so fascinating. Supposing him to be the garden. The tomb is in a garden. I think sometimes we forget this fact about the story. So I want you to think about this. The resurrection story starts in darkness. The whole story starts in darkness. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Here, in this dark garden, and wait, before I get to that, in John, who, John's entire gospel is the entire biblical story, in short, he even talks about this contrast of dark and light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. He gives us the same contrast from the beginning, and then here again at resurrection. So, in this dark garden, life is brought forth. Life in the original garden was also brought forth. And if we jump ahead a little in this story, John tells us that when Jesus came to His disciples who were hiding in their own darkness, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But, what did he do? He breathed on them. And in the first garden, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Resurrection, the divine yes, is light out of darkness. It's it's life out of death. It's the final reality because it's always been reality. God has always loved us. 
and has always been breathing life into us. And even when we walked away from him and chose death over life, he laid down his own life so he might give us new life again. Resurrection might certainly be more hope than we can handle, but it needn't be, for it's always been and always will be the final reality. God breathing life into us. And notice further this brilliant connection John makes to the beginning of Christ's ministry. Back in the very beginning when Christ's ministry started in John 1, Jesus turned and saw John the Baptist's disciples following and said to them, What do you see? And here, just after resurrection, he asked Mary, Whom are you seeking? Lucy Lynn Hogan has keen insight into this connection. A new ministry is beginning, a new story. Is Jesus asking the same question of us this Easter morning? What are we looking for? It was when Jesus called her by name that Mary recognized her beloved. Is Jesus calling our name? And when John's disciples called out to Jesus, he invited them to come and see. Are we being called to come and see? And that's a very important question for all of us. For as Barnes put it, what the Gospels ask is not, do you believe? But have you encountered a risen Christ? Have you encountered a risen Christ? So Jesus comes to Mary in the darkness. This is the good news of Easter, of the Gospel. Jesus is always coming to us, especially in the darkness. See, notice something here. Mary didn't find Jesus. He found her. <coughs> now, I know some people will say, but she was looking for him. Yes. And I don't want to disparage Mary Magdalene, because Mary is massive in the annals of the gospel. She's mentioned over 12 times. I already reminded everyone she was last at the cross. She was first at the tomb. In fact, in a little while after this, she's about to be made the first apostle. Jesus is going to tell her, go and tell the disciples, I'm alive. That's all the apostolic mission was, go and tell the world, I'm alive. Mary is incredible. In fact, as a side note, if you really want to know how Christianity fails about women, read the Gospels and read about Mary Magdalene. Whenever women have been oppressed or diminished within Christianity, it has nothing to do with Christianity. It has to do with people's agendas within Christianity. Just read the New Testament. Women are enormous. And another side note, while I'm way off my notes, I'll just keep going. <laughs> is sometimes I talk about how things in, in Scripture give me slight little reasons to believe. And not that you need reasons to believe, because that's the point of faith. It's faith. But this is one of those subtle little reasons that I believe. Because if anyone was making this story up and was writing it at any time close to when the events were supposed to happen, and in a culture close to where these events were supposed to happen, they don't put a woman in this role. There's not a chance a woman goes into this role. 
Mary Magdalene is the most important character in the most important event in Christian history, the resurrection of Christ. That's another reason I believe the story. So, let me get back to my notes now. Focus. <laughs> Mary did not find Jesus. Jesus found her. She was looking, but she was looking for a dead Jesus. All she wants to know is where is the body? Author Gossip comments on this perfectly. And many keep making that same mistake. The Christ they know lived in Palestine 1900 years ago. The record of what he did and taught and suffered moves and impresses them. In thought, they often take their stand on Calvary with a very real emotion in their hearts and a new inspiration surging up in them. But they have no experience of the risen Lord. They do not walk with him day by day. And that means that their faith, genuine enough and really effective as far as it goes, is something greatly less than Christianity. And please do not be offended that I used that quote this morning. But the reality is, despite the different focuses that humans put on different parts of the Bible, the New Testament is incredibly clear. It all centers on resurrection. Without resurrection, there is no Christianity. This is why the question the New Testament asks is not what do we believe, but have we encountered a risen Christ? Without resurrection, there's no Christianity. And I would suggest, like St. Paul suggests, if there's no resurrection, there's no hope. <coughs> but there's certainly no Christianity. And you see, even if we don't concern ourselves with the grand theology of resurrection, just on a very practical level, there would be no Christianity without resurrection because there would have been no one telling the story about Christ, no one traveling to the ends of the earth to share the story, no one dying in defense of the story. Christianity, quite frankly, would have never started because it would have died with Jesus like a bunch of other messiahs that died and never rose again. And it would have come to an end in a dark room where his disciples were hiding in their own darkness. That's where Christianity would have ended. And here's the thing about the disciples. Their darkness was even broader and deeper than Mary's. Now, I know it's never a good thing to compare suffering. I know that. For each of our own sufferings, it's terrible in their own way. But still, just consider these disciples. They certainly had all the darkness she had. They had lost the most important person in their life. The person that had changed everything for them and the person whom they had left everything to follow, and now he was gone. But consider this also about the disciples. This fear here of the Jewish leaders was a reference to being friends with the criminal that was just crucified. Remember, Jesus was crucified, a criminal. And they knew, by association, they would be considered guilty. They were hiding from the leader. This is why they abandoned Jesus, why they ran away from him, why they denied him. Fear. But their darkness was not just fear of the religious leader. Think about the unspeakable sorrow, guilt, and despair they must be feeling deep inside for the way they treated Jesus in his most desperate hours. 
to stink them up. And in fact, this may be another brilliant detail John gives us here in connecting this incredible biblical story. The disciples, after their massive failure, are hiding. And in the beginning, after Adam and Eve's massive failure, they went hiding as well. Just think how, though, they must have felt. How do we feel when we let our loved ones down? And that's when we often have a chance to say sorry. And we still feel that bad. <clears throat> have you ever let someone down who died and you didn't have a chance to say sorry to? This is the totality of the darkness that surrounded these disciples. Some born of circumstance beyond their control. Some because of their own choices. But still, even resurrection comes. Jesus comes to them. Once more, he lives out the message he has given since his very birth. The message that his birth was. God comes to us because he loves us. Long before we dress up nice, and long before we clean up our own messiness, and certainly long before we dispel the darkness that encompasses us. He comes to us because he loves us. And notice he says almost immediately, peace be with you. Sometimes it's easy to think that he's saying, relax, I'm not a ghost. But I think that greatly diminishes the story. This peace be with you is nothing less than the entirety of the gospel itself. Author Gossip says it so much better than I can, so I'm going to let his words say it. <coughs> and suddenly, the Lord broke in upon them in that darkness of disillusionment and despair. I, he said, want you to know that whatever you have done and whatever you have been, I still trust you and still believe in you. I want you to take it in that God's love is big enough to cover your case your need, your sin. And God's power strong enough to lift you up above all of that. I want you to accept and walk in the sunshine of God's forgiving grace. That was Christ's message to his followers after their sorry flight and ugly failure. Stepping across the wide gulf of their shame that had opened between him and them, our Lord begins again on the old friendly and trustful terms, even draws nearer to them than ever. These men had not done the will of God, but had lamentably failed. Yet he will not lose faith in them, nor his affection for them. Such is his loyalty, even to the most undeserving of us. The Lord never disowns us, does not ostentatiously look the other way, but comes out eagerly to meet us. Easter. Easter. Mary lost in darkness, went looking for a dead Jesus. Jesus, the resurrection, went looking for her to give her life. The disciples were hiding in a room of 
fear, guilt, and despair. Jesus, the divine yes, went looking for them and gave them peace. Please know, whatever darkness we find ourselves in today, or we'll find ourselves in someday, and we will, it's the world we live in. And whether that darkness is our own doing, or because of circumstances beyond our control, Jesus is looking for us because he loves us. Easter reminds us Jesus will always look for us because resurrection comes in the dark. Thanks be to God.